welcome to uh, Wednesday's 100 pounds meeting. Um, and today is Wednesday, the 3rd of May, 2003. And we have Mike L with us today. And Mike is originally from Arizona, but he now lives in Denver, Colorado. And Mike first came into OA in 1977. But I'm going to let him tell you all his story, his own words, and when he uh, tells us about his um, experience, strength, and hope. So I'm going to pass it over to you, Mike, and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Um, I'm really honored to be asked to speak here. Um, I. Uh, I'm, I'm Mike uh, L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater for today. Um, I uh, sponsor, I have sponsees and I have a sponsor. Uh, I go to regular meetings, I have a home group and I work the, sta the steps on a daily basis. Um, I, I, um, I'm gonna kinda, I'm gonna start out, uh, 1977 is, is uh, when, I, when I first came to an OA meeting. I wouldn't say that I was a member of OA at that time. I went in, uh, I uh, went into this meeting, uh, listened to what they had to say, grabbed a gray sheet and then, cause I thought they were just freaking nuts. And, and I didn't think it was a place for me. I was in the military at the time and my struggle was I just would, I would gain weight and then have to lose weight for my fitness test. And then I gained weight and it was just up and down and up and down. And kind of that's my story around food. Um, I, I, I came back to OA, um, um, which was, was in probably, nine, and I left this one out when I said, I came back to OA in, in uh, in the 1980s, um, I, uh, I, I was dieting on my own and I, I, uh, I got a book called Love Hunger and it had a workbook with it. So I decided because I isolated uh, that I would do this myself and I got suicidal when I did it. Um, I just, I stopped eating and started looking inside and didn't have any guidance and, and I just thought it wasn't worth it anymore. So I called the place where the book came from and I was admitted for a 30 day um, inpatient psychiatric stay. And uh, they took me to OA meetings while I was there, which was my first time doing that. And, and I came home uh, to uh, where I lived and I, uh, I, uh, they did, there was no OA and we didn't have meetings like this. And so I went to a ACOA meeting that was in the basement of the building I worked in. So they were my anonymity. And I went for a month and decided, you know, I got this, I'm losing weight, I can eat what I want and went right back into the food. Um, and, and the interesting thing about this, and I'm gonna to get to my full story, but since we have a half an hour, I feel like I can tell a little more, is, is when I came, I came back at the OA again um, in, in, uh, uh, when I was dating my wife. My wife's a recovered, uh, recovered alcoholic. And I decided that if I went to a 12-step program, I would have a better chance of landing her. And so I, manipulation was a key point in my whole life. And so I did that. I went, came back to OA. I went to OA for six months at that time. I got a sponsor. I did step one. I didn't do any more work with my sponsor. I went to six months worth of meetings. I lost weight. I got down to the weight I wanted. I asked my wife to marry me. She said yes, and I quit away. Uh, again, then I was out in the food again, and just this whole thing. Then, then uh, 14 years ago in February, I, I came back to OA, and um, I was I was I was uh, in a uh, conference room in my office, 
and there was a tray full of and I don't know if we can say foods on your pro, on your meeting or not, but there's a tray full of brownies, homemade big huge brownies. There was like twelve on them, and I was talking to a friend of mine um, at a break, and I ate the whole tray. And I'm a ninja binger, you know. I I I nobody sees me eat. I have this delusion that when I gain a hundred pounds, that nobody notices except me and I had clothes that fit everything. So I just went up and down in the clothes, but I was humiliated and I felt that same depression I had before about what happened. And so I, I, uh, I, I was in Al-Anon at the time. So I knew about meetings and I knew about program and I came to OA and I, and I, um, the first meeting I went to, I got abstinent and I've been abstinent from that point on. The delusion I had is I would share in meetings and I said, I would say when I came to OA, I was struck abstinence and I completely discounted the relapses that lasted years. And so I would tell, I would tell people that I, when they asked me to sponsor them and they were struggling with a relapse, I would say, I don't have any experience in relapse. And that's the amnesia of this freaking disease. It, you know, I forget how bad the pain was when I was in the food. I forget, I forget the, the way I behaved. And, and that's why I love to speak because what it does is when I tell my story, it reminds me of what happened. You know, sometimes I use the bedevilments as keys to remind me of what, of, of how I behaved. Um, but, but it's really, to me is, is, is that being the humility we were asked for in this program is that ability to recognize and look at who we are and what we've done. And, and it doesn't mean that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm less than, it means that I'm open, honest, and willing as I go through this program. So let me tell you a little bit about me as I grew up and, and we got some, I, I, was a, I was a fat kid. I was always chosen last when, when, we, when we did athletic things. Um, I, I stole food uh, when I was a kid. Uh, when I was about seven years old, I had walked down to the local convenience store and got caught uh, uh, stealing candy. And so had to had to tell my dad about it when they when it, and and my dad was a, I had an abusive childhood. My dad would uh, would punish me by uh, taking his belt off and beating me by beating my legs. And I used to think that was normal until I did some work around it. But uh, and it was and, and so that was what my childhood was like. I'm a twin and my twin brother and I uh, had a lot of the same behavioral issues. And, and one of the things is, is that we were identical and with, nobody could tell us apart. My mother would say, Pat or Mike, come here. And and so um, and so a lot of what I went on with around a kid was about me trying to get my own identity. And so that's, that's when my behaviors around food, but around everything, always about me. I, I, was, I, was, I can look back at my self-centered behavior from, from day one that I can remember. Um, I, was, I was very much an actor out. Um, when I was in kindergarten, my twin brother and I were both gagged and, 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 and tied during uh, nap time because we wouldn't stay still. Um, yeah, so, and, and that isn't why I'm a compulsive overeater. I was born a compulsive overeater. You know, my, my things that happened to me made my disease worse. It made me more into the food because I was looking for comfort from the food. But I, 
I ate when I was happy. I ate when I was sad. Um, in high school, I became an athlete. And so I didn't have a problem with my weight in high school. Um, I thought I was fat and I was heavier than, than I, I never got really, I never got a six pack or any of that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, and so I, but I still ate compulsively. It, it just that I exercised so much in the sports I was in that, that it didn't change. Um, but I, I would, I was continually, you know, if I went to somebody's house and we, and we had a, a dinner and my mom or somebody cleaned up and they threw the leftover dessert in the garbage can, some of that went home with me or didn't make it home. I ate it in the bathroom or something like that. So I, I'm the real deal. And, and I, you know, I was, I stole food. I ate out of the garbage can. I, I would eat frozen food. I would eat burnt food. And that's how my life went through, through there. And, and then, then I got into college and I discovered alcohol. And I, and so then I was, I was drinking and eating. Um, I, I, uh, Never have been to AA, and I think I, I think I could have qualified for AA at one point in my life, but I, I discovered that food is my primary addiction. Um, I, as I went out, as I went on in life, I, I, I had this internal belief that I wasn't worthy, that I wasn't good enough, that I never could be good enough, and so then I, I compensated with that by trying to be the best in everything, so nobody would see who the real me was. And, and that happened, you know, I ended up uh, joining the military because I was looking out of college. And so the military let me go to Vietnam and I, I was a Navy corpsman and served in Vietnam with the Marine Corps. And uh, that just accelerated my disease. When I came out of Vietnam, um, the, the psychological trauma of that um, made me eat more and me, me be more aggressively. Um, and so I, and so that's, that's how my life was. I, I ended up getting, staying in the service a while, um, got a master's degree because I wanted to be smarter than everybody else. I ended up, uh, uh getting, leaving the service because I got pissed at them. And so that's also my, my pattern is either, either you did what I wanted, treated me the way I wanted, or I threw you away. Um, I had, I have had until I met my wife, I had no serious relationships um, it, because I was just full of resentment, full of behaviors that, that nobody really, I shouldn't say that. I didn't think anybody would really care about me. So any of the relationships I had were very short-lived. Um, so I went on and, and, and I, I got out of the military. I, I was, I'm a physician assistant. I practice medicine. I have a, a, a master's in business. So I went into healthcare administration because it's what my dad and my brother did. And I wanted to prove that I was better than them. That, I did not like that job. I, I, I basically reached my maximum weight. And if you want to show my pictures, I'll, I'll show you what my weights, what I looked like then. These pictures were, and I don't have very many pictures because I wouldn't let myself be the picture. So the bottom left picture is um, a picture of me. And that, and this was Halloween um, when I lived in Alaska. And uh, of course I didn't dress up because I, I, I didn't uh, have anything that I could dress up with. And there I was 364 pounds. Um, I was a little bit less at the top. That's at my, my mother's house. And then the picture on the right is the way I am today. Um, 
And so uh, you can drop the pictures now if you want. So, so anyway, in, in Alaska is when I, I became suicidal and had that experience. And, and uh, I, I was large and in charge. I thought I was, I, I basically was arrogant. Um, anybody that came to me with anything that I didn't think was the right thing to do, I just discounted it. I put a circular um, conference table in my office because everybody was equal. And that was the biggest lie I could ever told because everybody was equal as long as you agreed with me. If you didn't agree with me, then you were full of shit and I'd find a way to get rid of you. And so that, that's the way. And so after 13 years there, I was fired. I was fired because the, the building was being unionized. And when they, and they were being unionized because of my arrogance. And, and so, uh, and, and when I left there, I, I, um, I still didn't recognize the character defects that were going on inside of me. I still didn't recognize the, 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 the self-will run amok. I just still didn't recognize how well I treated somebody or how badly I treated somebody. And, and I had a good reputation in my, in, in, in what I showed people outwardly as far as, so I got recruited to a new job and I got fired from that job for the same reasons. And then I came uh, back to Denver and I, and I went back to my being a PA and, and, and um, I would get fired from buildings I was in because I was treating the staff so poorly. And so I, I just, uh, I just was just, again, very, very, very arrogant and very uh, um, self-will run amok. Uh, they, uh, they, we were um, reading the 12 by 12 today and the women meeting I go before this and in the 12, by 12, there's a, there's a description of the, uh, uh, the alcoholic, which is the compulsive overeater that is, that is that, that their intellect is what is his charge. And that's what I was. I just thought I was smarter than everybody else and that they didn't do it my way. So then, then in uh, February of, of uh, 2012, uh, 2009, whatever it was, in February, 14 years ago in February, I, I, I came to meetings and, um, the thing that happened is, is after I came to meetings, I got a sponsor, I started to do the work and, and I had somebody come up to me in my office and say, what, what's going on with you, Mike? You're being so nice. What are you doing? And, and, and the book talks about that we don't, sometimes the changes happen and we don't realize them. The first time we realize them is what somebody else says to you. And, and that was what happened to me. You know, and, and losing weight has never been a problem. I've lost 100, gained 100 pounds and lost 100 pounds at least nine times in my life. So, and, 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 the, and it was always the same thing. I got down to close to my ideal body weight and I'd say that I got this and I'd eat sugar and I'd be off with it again. So, so when I came to program, um, I put sugar down and I thought that bread was an issue and I put bread down. And, and I, started, I started working the program, but I still had this belief that I couldn't show anybody who I really was, that I had to have this front in front of me. And, and just, you know, when they say fake it till you make it, I just faked it. I just, you know, if I, had, if I was struggling with my food, if I, was, if I was struggling with my eating plan, I wouldn't tell anybody about it. As long as I didn't eat my alcoholic foods, I felt like it was none of their business. If I was struggling 
with my wife. My wife and I almost got divorced. I didn't share anybody anything with that. I had a, pro, a friend in program say at one of the meetings I went to that we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna do a class on meditation. Uh, Mike, would you, would you like to attend the class? And I said I don't do that shit. I don't meditate. You know, I I just I I I follow my eating plan. And I sponsor people. I sponsor them through the through the the OA literature, and and then a miracle happened with me. I I about what, eight or nine years ago, I I got a new sponsee, and he he was uh, uh, a really nice guy. Uh, didn't tell me a lot about his past history, um, as far as except his eating and that kind of stuff. And and I took him through the work. And uh, he was abstinent from day one. He was, he was, uh, he showed his eating plan that he was using um, when it came to the program worked really well for him. And I actually ended up using the same eating plan. And, and I learned a lot from this guy watching how he, he worked his program. And when we finished uh, the 12 steps, he, he shared with me that he was a recovered alcoholic and had been recovered for 30 years, well, 29 years. And he invited me to go to his, uh, his meeting, his home group, when he was going to get his 30-year chip. And so I said, sure, I'd love to do that. And he got up and shared. And, and he said something to me that sticks with me, too, something to the group, because he talked about his OA recovery and that it was a new level of surrender. And he said he did exactly everything I told him, no matter how wrong I was. And, and that taught me the power of, of the book and the power of the literature. And I, I, I sponsor through the big book now. So I, I don't, I use the OA literature um, intermingling with that. It depends on people. I mean, if I have somebody that's uh, got a 12, it's a strong 12-step uh, program and something else, I'm likely to take through the OA literature so they get a different picture of it. But um, for me, that really made a difference. And, and, and then the second thing he did is he invited me to a, uh, a, a workshop called um, Convent, not a meeting, it's uh, OA Al-Anon, I mean, AA Al-Anon, called Fellowship of the Spirit. And I went to that. And, and in the audience, I heard a woman um, share her struggles with not showing who she really was. And I had a spiritual awakening in that moment. I started crying. I felt tingly. I felt I all of a sudden realized what I was doing. And so I went through the step work again in the big book and, and, and had a whole new experience with where I was. Um, my, my, yeah, and that's the kind of the experience I've had with away from this point on is that, is that as, as I, as I, Somebody will say, why don't you do this, Mike? And I'll say, oh, that sounds interesting. I'm going to a book study that on Wednesday mornings that's not a conference approved because we crosstalk and we read non-conference approved literature and that kind of stuff. And we did drop the rock. Um, I don't know if you guys, anybody's familiar with that, but it's, it's a non-conference approved um, book. But what I, what I really learned in that is I've got to do 10, 11, and 12. And I, and I wasn't doing 10, 11, and 12. I wasn't consistent at it. And, 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 and I wasn't recognizing when I, the way I would recognize that I needed to do um, a 10 step with somebody was that I would get, I would, I would all of a sudden have desire for food again. And that meant I wasn't spiritually fit. And so therefore I would say, 
I've got something going on. I need to do some work around this instead of being proactive on a daily basis, looking at my day and a daily basis, praying and meditating and reading literature, you know, and, and so I, I do that now. And it's, and, it, and my program is, it, it's, is, I think growing. And I think it's growing because I'm developing on a daily basis, a much more closer conscious contact with God. I heard somebody share in one of the meetings I go to that he's that that he struggled with um, being connected all day long, and I, I identified with that. I have always struggled. I get into my work, I get into other things, and God goes to the back of my head, and I don't I don't ask God for any advice. I don't I don't I don't stop and 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 sit quietly waiting for stuff so he turned he has a, a watch with a timer on it and his timer goes off every hour saying thy will be done not mine so i did that and my timer goes off every couple of hours and it says thy will be done and i take two or three breaths and connect back to god at that moment in time and that has changed the way i treat people because i treat people with god by my side and now somebody says something that irritates me. I write about it and I talk to my sponsor, but I don't say anything to him. I haven't done, haven't had to do a, a ninth step in at least a year because I don't, I don't, I don't react that way anymore. I, I, and you know, it's, it's, and it's, so it's real and manage and imagine is what I read. You know, I, sometimes I get upset with somebody because I think they think this. But it's, it's then I go back and I do inventory. So it's and it's and it's that closer walk with God, which this whole program is about. You know, I, I think the food is but a symptom. And 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 boy, I was really good at food. But now it's all about me being closer to God and of service to folks around me. And every time I sponsor somebody, you know, people say, you know, I don't want to get it. I don't, I don't, I don't, my sponsor, I don't want to do this. I don't want to bother somebody. I don't want to call them because I don't want to bother them. Every time I work with a sponsor, a new sponsor, they teach me something as I'm doing this work because they are the ones that we're here for. You know, I, I, when I do, when I do the work with somebody, I will, I will, there's a, there's a point in the book where they, they do, they describe about, they describe what sponsors do and, and what our purpose is around that. And I tell them, I asked them at that point in time, I said, you know, are, I, don't, I don't ask them. I tell them, <laughs> you're going to sponsor when we finish this work because that's how you stay sober. That's how you keep out of relapse. When you think of others and not yourself, that's how it grows. At least that's how it goes for me. So for me, it's, it's, this program has been the, the, I, the, the slow learning process. I had the same guy, the guy that, that he ended up being my sponsor for a while, the, the, the A guy that I was telling you about. And, and uh, after we worked for a while, he says, Mike, I don't think you have a problem with flour. I think if flour was a binge food for you, it's not an alcoholic for you. And he says, I want you to, I want you to go back and start eating bread again. Talk about scared. But what I learned is when your sponsor suggests something, you do it. And I did it. And I had no problem with it. So I said, and what I learned from that is, is we and we and 
in this program have a tendency to keep adding alcoholic foods to our eating plan. And, and for me, that was because I didn't trust God. And so anytime I saw something that I thought I liked, I said, oh, I can't eat that because I'm going to binge on it. Well, it was what I found out is that is that I do have an alcoholic food and that's sugar. And I and I and I approved over and over again. I cannot eat it. But there uh, there's other things that I I have to eat in measured quantities. You know, if I'm going to have chips, I weigh well, I weigh and measure everything. But if I'm going to have chips, I put them in a container that I can't eat more than what's there. And I if I'm going to have anything salty and and fried, that's that's what I have to do because I know that I I can overeat those very easily, but it doesn't turn on the phenomenon of of craving. Yeah, and so for for at least for me, my solution for everything, even after I came to program, was to control it with white knuckles. And the hardest thing for me to learn in this program was to allow God to control things. You know, in the morning when I'm in my morning prayer, I, I do I, I do the third step prayer. I do three step. I do I, I, I pray about one, two and three and ask God to take control of what goes in my mouth today. I weigh and measure everything. I, I let me rephrase that. I don't weigh and measure in restaurants. If I'm if I'm eating somewhere, you know, I, I go to I usually go to restaurants that are. Um, um, have Five minutes. Okay, that have chains that are chain stores because they have the calorie consumption and their the the nutrient you can ask for a sheet and they have the nutrients on it if they were if they're in California so you can get that stuff here in the U.S. So I I look at that when I'm eating in a store if I order a steak I have a certain size of steak it eats if it's bigger I have them cut it in half and don't put it on the plate. Put it to the side because I got taught as a kid, you, you ate the whole, you cleaned your plate. So the only stuff that goes on my plate is what I'm going to eat. But, you know, today, um, my life is, is absolutely wonderful. I, I, I walk the bride highway, but I, I, the miracle for me is that I, I am no longer depressed. I sought outside help for my depression. I saw outside help. Uh, in the, through the VA for my PTSD, um, but I that is all managed through the grace of God. I I was sexually abused as a kid. I was physically abused as a kid, and I've done a lot of work outside this program on that. And they I don't eat over that anymore. I think part of my reason for being obese was my was was by trying to hide my body from anybody that might be attracted to it and and abuse me. But this, this, you know, I'm happy, joyous, and free. You know, I'm in, uh, I think page 92 in, uh, in, in the, the AA 12 and 12, they, they have the uh, uh, St. Christopher's Prayer, anyway. And, and that's how I try to live my life. I've tried to be kind and tolerant and accepting of everybody. We are all bozos in the boat. There's nobody here that is above me, and there's nobody here that's below me, no matter where you are in your program. For me, what it is, is God always has me, and through my whole life, this has me exactly where he wanted me, and experiencing what I needed to experience to grow closer to he or she. And my, my God is, is a spirit power. 
I, when I say God, I don't want to turn off anybody that doesn't believe in, in, in a traditional belief because I don't believe in a traditional belief. And I just uh, thank you all for letting me be here.